Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith. And as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Zawadi Powell and Glenda Jones. Greetings. Peace. Today, we're also joined by Carl Kenny who is the spiritual leader of Liberation Station, home of the Underground Church. It's so good to be here. Thank Welcome. you for joining yeah. us today. Okay. How are you feeling today? I know it's, it's cold, cold man. What you mean? How I feel? It's cold outside. <laughs> temperature dropped, what, yeah. 30 degrees? Yeah, it, you know, it feels like it's 100 degrees below zero. That's all I know. It's cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for braving yeah. the cold elements to come in and it's talk good. to us about matters relating to spirit. Wow. Yeah, so, okay. It's one of my favorite subjects. Good, good. We want to get a sense of who you are and what you do and how you've come to do what you Ooh. do over your lifetime. So, um, tell well, us everything. Everything, <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't want to know everything. You don't want everything? <laughs> no, that's, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, this, 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 spiritual, this spiritual journey, oh, God, you know, it's, you know, I've come, I've come to, you know, Take more. You know, I've been a past. I've been a pastor for uh, all my life uh, since the age. Well, I've been a ministry since I was nineteen. I've been pastoring churches in Missouri, um, uh, Kentucky, uh, and North Carolina since twenty three. Mm. And and so you know, my my life has been one where uh, spiritual work. Uh, you know, my, my work names my work as spiritual, you know, you know, when you serve uh, the life of the church that is as seen as spiritual work. Um, my my life in ministry took a very radical shift um, in uh, 1990 something, 99, uh, when uh, I began to discover that what I had been doing most of my life wasn't working for me mm-hmm. um, around a spiritual way. And I wrote a book called Preacher Man, uh, where um, it, it, it was important for me to write uh, that book. Uh, the first time I wrote it, I wrote it twice. The first time I wrote it uh, was because of uh, my need to, to do the therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was a, a church business meeting where they were uh, contemplating removing me from the church. Uh, because of a, a divorce, a pending divorce, and also because of uh, uh, some some conflicts in my theology, you know, fighting for gay rights and uh, and uh, also you know, just being very very visible in communities in a way that made traditional faith folk 
very uncomfortable. So they voted uh, the first time. They, they voted twice, but the first time they voted uh, was very traumatic for me and also very traumatic for my children. And I, I found myself uh, driving down Andrew Avenue uh, and pulling off the side of the road to buy some crack cocaine. Whoa. And um, my life in recovery coincides with uh, what, what, what I perceive to be my call to ministry, uh, where um, I was addicted to cocaine uh, and also heroin. And, um, and, and I found myself uh, the night my son was born where I made a decision. I didn't want my, my son to see my face as an addict. Mm -hmm. So I, I began uh, a journey for recovery. And here I am on the side of a road. Uh, years later, you know, in my uh, late 30s, you know, um, uh, thinking about buying some crack. And um, the uh, drug dealer comes to the side of the road and asks the question, are you the police? <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm the preacher man from around the corner that have been working like crazy to get you off the street. Oh. And... Uh, and, you know, I was conflicted in that moment, and I went home, and I spent a, a weekend of deep grappling in my spirit around why that happened. And I, 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 wrote, I wrote that incident. Uh, it was the first piece I wrote in, in my, my book that would come later, years later, where, where I actually get it published. And I wrote that uh, because I needed to figure out what was wrong with me spiritually that led me to that. And what I discovered is that religion had become a new drug. Wow. Um, religion became a new drug. Uh, to, to fill a hole in my soul, uh, the church became like a, an intoxicant, you know. Mm. You go to church on Sunday, you get high on the Holy Ghost, just like you get high on crack cocaine. And um, so that began a, a long, a lengthy journey uh, to, to find my own spirit that wasn't really, it was defined more by, by things more than what uh, faith community was offering me. So, so, so my spiritual journey has um, is, is, is been quite interesting. And, 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 and since, that, since that day, uh, I, I've been trying, uh, even now, to find that balance uh, between uh, what it means to be like a highly educated man in ministry with, you know, masters of divinity and theology and doctrine and divinity, all that stuff, you know, where there, there are these, these credentialings that say uh, you should be one of the, the creme crop when it comes to the work of ministry. But I find in myself, like, spiritually, like, whoa, this ain't making sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I put that, you know, th so that kind of shapes, that kind of frames it for me. When, you know, you're talking about spirituality, you know, and uh, we were talking earlier uh, where uh, I mentioned, I mentioned how um, there's a difference between, for me, spiritual movement and spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the spiritual movement is this natural kind of thing that goes on where, you know, where stuff happened to us that don't make no sense, you know. <laughs> that don't make and, no and, sense. And you, you find yourself talking to grandma and, you know, and, you know, you, you know, and stuff coming to you like, what in the heck could that come from? And then the spiritual practice is what we do in church, which, you know, is supposed to be able to define what it means to be a holy person. But, you know, I find myself in these places where, um, you know, the things that are the being, being felt that are driving me and forcing me to go places beyond 
what spiritual practice tells me to do. Mm. So, um, and I and I'll just say this, and we, you can you can ask me more questions. Uh, for for so for that meant for me this journey toward um, really wanting to discover. Uh, I want to discover the faith of my grandma and my granddaddy, and mm. you know I want to I want to figure out when I was uh, you know I was a care caregiver for my dad uh, before his death. Uh, I, I, when I left North Carolina to go back to Missouri to be my dad's uh, 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 caregiver, and, and my dad uh, told a story one day where he he, he talked he talked about fishing, and you know he would talk about all these all these pieces of his past. But when he said that my grandmama told me one day the story of of her uh, being in the fields watching when when Abe Lincoln walked up the hill, going toward the hotel on top of the hill. Wow. And um, something hit me in a real critical way. It's like first time that it hit me. Dang, my great grandmama was a slave. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that because I can do math. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to take much to figure out. My daddy's born in 1936. You know, and you can do the math and you figure it out. But in that moment, something hit my spirit. Wow, my grandmama was a slave. And my grandmama taught my daddy, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, whoa, what's that feel like? Mm-hmm. In a different kind of way. And you find yourself thirsting for some of these answers that are not written in books. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not in the family Bible, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you wanted to know uh, more and more and more. And I remember uh, on a trip that I took to Durham, England, Back in 1993, Durham, England. I was in Durham, England. No, Durham, England. Yeah, it was part of a sister city campaign. Uh, we were we were uh, clergy from Durham, North Carolina, meeting clergy, uh, the Episcopal Church in Durham, England, and there was a group from Kostroma, Russia, who was there. Uh, from the Russian Orthodox Church, and we were gathering. I'm the only black one, and we were gathering <laughs> to to have these conversations. And I'm sitting there in this temple in Durham, England, this beautiful, beautiful cathedral, and they got these white boys singing because girls aren't allowed to sing in the in you know in in the in the choir. And it 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 hit me that I'm looking around and I see these relics. I see all these historical relics and they're telling the history of Kalkoff who came in 900 years ago back you know with 900 years ago when he came uh, to England and introduced uh, the, uh, this part of the world to Christianity and I'm sitting there and I said uh, you know and it hit me I don't know I don't know the songs that my ancestors sang to praise to their creator mm. I don't know what dances they danced I don't know my name I don't even know my name, and, you know, and it and it hit me uh, in that moment that there's this part of myself that I needed to know mm-hmm. that I may never know mm-hmm. because of the impact of slavery, mm-hmm. and there's that emptiness that really in that moment kind of helped me understand why I'm so thirsty mm-hmm. just to know what it means for me to be, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you f- discover that? when what we use as a tool to get to that place is the very thing that was used to keep us from understanding who we are. Absolutely. Okay. 
So that's part of the journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you just jumped in and gave us a whole lot right off the bat. <laughs> 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 so, so that's good. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking for a minute. So yeah, we're going to be talking a lot. Let's go back. Okay, let's, let's go, let's back. go back. Yeah, okay. Take us back to your childhood yeah and help us to understand what it was like to first be taught about spirit because you say you've been in this since 19 so i imagine that there were some things that were going on as a child that laid the foundation for me for me and my spirit for you and your spirit or you yeah. and your socialization well, social, well I, I think i think the 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 church I attended growing up it was Mount Celestial Baptist Church in um, uh, in uh, McBain, Missouri, which is near the river, and it's built on my family property. So it's 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 located in the very place where uh, my ancestors were slaves. Wow. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's part of it. So this is the family church, the grave. The graveyard outside of the church is where all of my folk were buried, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the family church. It's that small little Baptist church with no air conditioners, with the fan and the, <laughs> and the wasp and all that crap flying. And, and that's, yeah, you know, so that's, that's, that was my, my introduction to, to, to religion at a very young age where we would, uh, we would go to the, to the church, our family church, uh, but even in that, you know, in, and, and for me, I, I felt something very deeply spiritual happening at a young age. I, you know, I, I taught uh, Sunday school the first time at 11 and, and felt called to, to ministry uh, pre-teen years. And it was very, very early when I, I sensed that there was something in me that was, was compelling me to, to, to give in ways um, beyond that. Uh, for for me, um, the disruption of all of that. So you know, again, it was a, the, the 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 pastor of that church dies. He was old. He's like eighty years old, and he dies. And I was like, I don't want to go no more. But the the thing that that kind of kicked it for me spiritually, and I think this is probably critical for a lot of people, that you know who we are spiritually, oftentimes shifts when there's tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I do yeah. feel that it's it's tragedy that does it, and 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 tragedy uh, changes perception. For me, it was the death of my sister when mm-hmm. she was thirteen, and her death is what led to my addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, How old were you? Seventeen. Okay. Um, so her death led to my questioning everything. You know, and part of that is the the old the sisters would come to the church. They they would come to the house, uh, and they would lay the oil on my sister and pray that the cancer would go away, and it didn't go away. And when she died, uh, I I ran to my bedroom and I cursed God. Uh, I mean, I cussed God out. You know, <laughs> so bad. Uh, I mean, I just cussed God out. You hear me? Uh, I cussed God out for not taking me instead of her. I cussed God out because he didn't heal her. I got in to heal her. I, cu- I mean, I was so freaking angry. And for me, that was a very a pivotal uh, spiritual moment for me because everything I believed to be true uh, regarding power of prayer 
uh, regarding um, healing. Um, you know, everything I've been taught was questioned in that moment. You knew she was going to be healed. No, I didn't. When you were praying? They said she would. Did, mm -hmm. did My, you believe when you were praying? I wasn't praying because I was mad. The, no, no, no. Before she passed? Before she passed, no, I didn't pray. You I was too angry. You were angry for I was angry before she got so sick. she was sick. I got angry when she got sick. Right. My mother came home. My mother told me that uh, uh, Crystal was a name, that she had um, cancer on her brain the size of an egg. And I remember that's the first time I got drunk. Oh. I mean, I went out and got drunk that night. So, so, in, in, why, so there was this. You know, I, I, I can't, I, you know, I've never even considered that question. I've never, I never considered, I never ever thought about um, that I did not pray. Um, and I think it might have been just the, the, the utter disappointment of the cancer finding, a, at that time, a 12 year old. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was a rage that, that was triggered in that moment where I no longer trusted God to do anything. Um, so um, that was very pivotal for me, right? Um, but no, I, I, I can't remember. Um, my, my sister joined the church, you know. Uh, she would go to the church. Um, the, the, the church was a, was a planet church around the corner that, that built the new building uh, next to our house was located. So the church built the church and, and, and land that my father donated uh, to the church. Um, so it was there as a symbol of God's uh, presence and power and healing and all that. It was next to my family home. But I never, I never thought about praying. So I, I understand quite that interesting. whole idea of um, cursing God. Yeah being very angry right, at God, right. and even can understand in your young mind not praying because you're hurt, you're mm -hmm. angry, you're disappointed that God allowed right. this young, beautiful, innocent person to get sick. To get sick. Mm -hmm. And like, where is God in that? Mm -hmm. And so you're, she transitions. Right. And then you're angry, you're hurting, mm -hmm. you try to self-medicate right. to make the pain go away. Um, but you are cursing you're, because, God, you let this happen. Right. How did you find your way back to? To God? Well, I don't know that you ever <laughs> left God. Um, but you, would, you were angry with God. But how did you find your way back to a relationship with God? Um, I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. That's an interesting question because, you, you know, it, 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 I can answer that question from the, like, typical spiritualized answer that we give from the church. That's you know, not I can, you. But, but that's not going to be me. <laughs> um, I would say that I found myself and I understood that to be God. Okay. Does that make, you know, and I, I would say that that's really what happened is that I, I discovered my potential to do better. Okay. Uh, I discovered the power to reclaim the integrity of my life after making these incredibly poor decisions that led to the type of dysfunction that took everything away from me. 
at a very young age. You know, um, you know, academics, you know, no longer being in the school. And, and I got this, I got my future wife pregnant, 18 years old. Um, and, you know, so there was a series of like bad decisions. But the thing that really got me, again, is looking at, looking at my son and thinking, I can't be that kind of father. Mm. Um, I can't be that kind of father because my daddy wasn't that kind of man. Mm-hmm. And in every decision I made in my life um, after that moment was like, I got to be like my daddy. Right. Which is, you know... Um, so I think that, that, that the, 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 changing, the changing force for my life was this, I can't be that person no more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the recovery came, and, and, and then the ministry came. And the ministry came for me, uh, frankly, for no other reason than, you know, i got to help somebody else, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, I've got access to, to, to an ability to, to be better, and I want to give that to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and that came out of witnessing my, my cousins. You know, I was introduced to drugs by my older cousins, and I had cousins overdosed and you know, committed suicide and all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff that happened around me with my relatives. And I was like, i gotta, I got to give back to them. So I would say that it was really that, and and that is a deeply spiritual decision. When you a spiritual to say, you know, uh, I, God, I'm I'm not, you know, excuse me, I'm not the nigga they say I am. Mm-hmm. And that's the you know? thing that, that is fascinating to me about your story is like at certain points um, throughout your journey, it looks like you have sort of reflected on who am I, what am I, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? What is my role here? And I, I, I just wonder, like, where do you think that that type of um, mental process that leads us to spiritual growth originates? Like, yeah, do you I, think everyone has that ability I think, to I, say, wait, I'm not going to do yeah, crack? Yeah, I think. Because I'm not, I, I'm not that person. I'm the pastor man. <laughs> the preacher man. The preacher man. I mean, yeah, I, think, I, think part, I think part of it is, is, is about the psyche of, of being black. It's what, it's what we are told about our destiny. Mm. You know, it, it's like um, owning um, a message about blackness that doesn't belong to us. And I'm, I'm, I'm from Missouri, mm-hmm. you know, and, in, and I, I grew up in a community where there weren't great models for black men uh, or women, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in a community where I never knew a black lawyer mm-hmm. growing up or a black physician growing up. Or a black therapist, you know, um, or, or or even black. There weren't many black teachers even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my models uh, for blackness were were very very limited. So I think part of it is just in, in internalizing what what that looked like growing up in the '60s. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is what it means, and I think that was part of it. And I, I think the shift for me spiritually came. And realizing that ain't who I am, you know, that's not me, you know, and and I'm not them. I'm not that. And and that came through uh, reading 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 Malcolm, 
mm-hmm. you know, and 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 and, and, and uh, you know, doing the history stuff. You know, I began uh, reading the history, of the Black history, and 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 so I think that was part of it for me. But I also believe that it um, is also a, a deeply spiritual thing. That it was something reaching out to me, uh, compelling me to be better, mm-hmm. and I do claim that as my ancestors coming to me. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely claim that there was something beyond me that is my is is my is my family is my is my you know is my grandmama, my granddaddy, my great grand. It was it was something beyond me that was coming to me. To say, boy, you better get it together. So why is it that you, since your your journey has been uh, very much in the tradition of Christianity, mm-hmm. why, when you have that feeling, did you feel um, that it was your ancestors as opposed to thinking it was mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit or Jesus Christ? I didn't believe it. What I'm saying to you that in retrospect, I believe that's the case. And when I'm going through it, uh, you know, of course, I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm going to name that as something totally different. Mm-hmm. When I'm going through, when I'm going through that, when I'm going through that process, I do believe, you know, you, you know, it's it's the way we, we way we talk about in in, in, in Christian faith is it, it was it was uh, Damascus Road experience. You know, it's it's like uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit calling out to me and pulling me. And, and showing me who I am, and and I do. There is a sense in which that's happening, but I do think um, that part of my journey has been uh, knowing there is much more to that story yes. than so, what I mm-hmm. name as in Christian terms, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I have given myself permission um, to explore what it means to be spiritual beyond normalized way of wow. looking at that. So, so do you I would think that there is a Holy Spirit and there are the ancestors? I think they're the same thing. Oh, you think they're the same thing? Mm. 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 Yeah, I believe I, I believe I believe they they're they're, they're uh they're I don't together. I don't I don't I don't I don't need to 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 give a name to what it is. Mhm. Mm-hmm. It's just that feeling. You know, that yeah, I don't need uh I don't need to I, I don't I don't have a desire any longer to name everything in ways that fit a nice understanding of reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we don't understand. Right. I mean, you know, um, there's there's um, the things beyond my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, there is a theologian named Carl, uh, Paul Tillich who says the courage to be. Uh, is uh, the uh, the the will to be uh, beyond the things of your understanding? Uh-huh. So there are things I don't understand, and I still have the courage to be mm-hmm. beyond that. That's the beginning of true understanding. That's a ter- to a point of true empowerment. Um, I, I I like to give uh, with within my work now uh, people permission not to have to find the answer. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what we do. We, we right. say continuing to ask right. questions, questions and never mm-hmm. getting to a point where there are no more questions. Right. Right. And so being critically critically thinking about these things as we have these conversations mm-hmm. and these dialogues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. exactly what yeah. we even have this podcast for. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I don't need 
um, the 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 simple way I think of life is is me in relationship with the totality of creation. Wow. Uh, and um, what that that begins with my relationship with me, you know, loving me as as one created in God's image, mm-hmm. loved and affirmed and celebrated for who I am, and also seeing. God in the face of everybody I meet. Right. You know? So that's a big part of it. But also, well, I mean, some folks just ain't got no God in it. So, but, but, you know, and also, it's also you know, knowing that I am connected to nature. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I took a trip uh, to Asheville just to look at the, the mountains and, you know, look at, look at the creation, the beauty of us creation. And I'm connected to that. So that's the one thing I, I believe is, is the constant truth, mm-hmm. is, is my relationship with the totality of creation mm-hmm. begins with my affirming completely who I am as part of that creation. Wow. And then when I negate that, you know, when I marginalize me or anybody, you know, that's, that's, that's where the problem begins. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, you mentioned... Your work um, now, mm-hmm. can you explain what the liberation... The liberation station and underground church? Yeah. Ooh, so, you know, uh, well, the, 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 the liberation station is a, a place where authentic liberation can happen for those who need it. So it's, it's my, my, based on my spiritual journey mm-hmm. that the world is filled with people who need liberation. And they engage in this dysfunctional behavior because they're in battle with themselves mm-hmm. in the world. And so they need to, to a place where they can be free to figure that out. Liberation, I mean, true liberation. Uh, and so it, it, to me, the liberation goes to, is twofold. Uh, it's personal liberation. And it's also liberation from these, de- these structures that have been created. So it's liberation from racism, classism, sexism. Your homophobia, you know, creating ways for people to be free, right? And is it like a church? Well, it it's a spiritual movement that is a, it, it it looks like a church, it feels like a church, but it don't stink like a church. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so there's that. The underground church, uh, it, to me, and so the Liberation Station is I, as I structured it, is is a nonprofit kind of work, mm-hmm. right? Uh, is is community engaged? It, it's not it's not uh, a, a group. That's limited to the group. It's 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 this it's this whole city, it's this whole world, right? Uh, it's what we say to the world as a witness of that. The underground church is 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 the local uh, uh, worshiping community, uh, where we're we're worshiping uh, together. We are learning together. We are growing together and loving together. Uh, and uh, it, it's a place where people come for freedom. So it's why it's called the underground church. You, you, you know, you're creating ways for people to be free. Um, and but how do you do what you do? How do I do it? Yeah, like practically, like what activities or ways of Well, it's, it's new, and right now it's been tough. Mm-hmm. It's been tough, and we've, we've got to explore uh, some new options because uh, one of the things happens when you do this kind of work um, it's hard for people to to affirm what's this new to them. You know, we're living in a society where people want easy answers, yes, they do. and um, where uh, people want 
want a system for success. And we, we're so glued to the desire just to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and if I, if I if, you know, people are looking for Kanye to tell them it's going to be all right. <laughs> right. You know, and, and so, you know, it, 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 that's what people are enamored. They're enamored with that kind of, they yell, Kanye is the new Jesus. I mean, he would step on the stage with white Jesus and everybody falling and out. And right. giving Joel that, Osteen is going to have Yeah, Joel Osteen. I mean, come on now. And so, uh, was it Easter Sunday or? He's going to be here this coming Sunday. This coming Sunday. He's going to okay. be there so this coming, coming Sunday. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah, you got a bipolar preacher. I mean, and, you know, and, and don't, to, read. don't read, don't read, you know, uh, he, he is a product of white evangelical Christian thought and it's problematic. And, and, and a lot of what's being spewed from these pulpits is, is problematic. Hmm. But when you offer people liberation, it's like Harriet said, I could have freed more slaves if they knew they were slaves. slaves. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, 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 it's hard. So I'm having to, to, to do some reconsideration um, you know, and to 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 try to gra- try to get this done, I am I'm, I'm I'm very concerned. This whole liberation movement to me, is, you know, Durham Durham is a troubled community. Um, you know, when we have these homicides, and in my home, you know, back in St. Louis, Missouri, where they've had 137 murders, with like 27 kids killed in a year, in less than a year, mm-hmm. people just being killed. That, that's about a need for liberation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something really bad going on in the minds of people, mm-hmm. you know? And it's not new. This is what we've been doing for so long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not new. Mm-hmm. So um, my, my work has is, is, is always been challenged, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my work has been challenged ever since I decided to be free. Uh, I mean, there's is no doubt about that. My 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 novels speak to that, you know. So one would say liberation from what, and what does it mean you know, to be free? You know, I I I think it I think it I think it begins for me at least with being free from myself. You know, it's 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 free from. The madness is we the madness we create in our head and, and, and for that for me that looks like I gotta be free from the idea that I'm no good because of my blackness. You know? That I'm I'm no good because I'm black. Right? I'm a black man. That makes me no good. I think for me liberation means that I, I've gotta face the fact that that's a lie and I think there are kids out here that need to hear the same thing. And I think there are older people need to hear the same thing. Mm-hmm. That I'm wonderfully made in the image of a creator mm-hmm. who assigns me the opportunity to be the best of the best version of myself that I can be. Mm-hmm. And that I'm surrounded by people who offer the opportunity for me to see a world in a different kind of way. Uh, so for me, it's, it's, it's first, it's got to be liberated from me, right? Is that liberation from so-called global white supremacy? In of course. <laughs> yeah, it's it's colonialism. I mean, all and, and we we're living. Black folk are living within. We are living uh, consequences of an all-out blitz against our soul. And we we are doing the very best we can. Or we've been doing the best we can to recover from that. And the sad reality is that what we've been doing to try to recover is you use a white paradigm to fix it. Yes. And that don't work. 
all and none of none of it works. We 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 have a uh, we have an idea of what it means to be a family that's based on leave it to beaver, right. and ain't our, <laughs> and that's not even our reality of what that should be. So I, yeah, I think you absolutely we have to look at how systemic racism and you know and colonialism and all these evil structures have impacted black people. And I'm not looking for a white answer to our problem. I mean, to me, that's a big part of it. You're also not looking to win a popularity contest. I, I'm sure. I Be- think because you. <laughs> You are working within a system that you really aren't fully part of the system. I mean, you've been, I, you're a minister, right, uh, right. a pastor in a Baptist yeah, community. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I'm just, yeah. and um, that's not really exactly who you really are. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's not who is. It's who I used to be mm-hmm. um, when I participated in my addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. But in and in, in, in the 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 hard, you know, it's it's just, it's the difficulty. The difficulty, and then you commit yourself um, to a way of being. You know, there is that other challenge, right? And we all face that. Right. Uh, because, how much do we compromise? Right. Yes. Because struggling with your own addiction is what gives you the doorway yeah. into other people's addictions. And allows you to right. know the method to set yourself free from it, right. which you can then share with them. When you discover that your addiction is what feeds you, mm-hmm. and replace it with how do you how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when your addiction actually feeds you, yeah, mm-hmm. and it is what you, you survive with your addiction. And how can you battle how against you battle that, that mindset without first experiencing right. it? It's right, right. So, so that's that's what the, the place where I find myself is that the. You know, you you gain you gain the you you gain the training, mm-hmm. and you you gain access to uh, a system that feeds you. Mm-hmm. But that very system is an addiction that stymies the growth of not only your life but other lives, right? In wow. in many ways, you discover that that very system is a lie. Wow. Uh, but there's something within it that can can be empowering to people. And for me, the answer has been to try to transform it. You know, you try to free the system from itself. So, but you so, but carefully, you have to be careful that that system yeah. not take away you. One, yeah, I was gonna say one might argue that in trying to do that, you inevitably become lost mm-hmm. in that system. So using the tools of the oppressor mm-hmm. to free yourself, as opposed to creating some other tools that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speak to independence and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. A, a path of critical thinking right. that is different uh, mm-hmm. outside of that whole system altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you are you creating a new system, mm-hmm. and so, it, it, which is you know my 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 hope has been to create a new system. And then to, so to how, have how access do you do to the people who are also addicted, right? The people who are addicted within that system will give you the leeway and open the door to you because you have knowledge of that system for yeah. you to help them to understand differently. Right. To well, you, 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 we have, we have, in, when it comes to work of spirit, I think that when you, when you find yourself spiritually, you're forced to make different decisions, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those, those decisions come in conflict with mainstream ideas. Yeah. 
you know, that's a struggle that all of us face. Mm-hmm. You know, what it means to live with what you know as your truth, your yeah. new truth. You have to live with that. Right. And, and you face consequences uh, materially uh, and socially. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to your new understanding of what it means to be you, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that what that I think that the, the world in which we live mm-hmm. is a lie. Mm-hmm. All of this is a lie, right? And, and 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 so the the work of spirit is is like helping you to see that that's that that this is a lie. Right. It's the matrix. It's the matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which pill are you gonna take? Okay. Right. <laughs> you gonna t- which one are you gonna take? Right. right. And so we we're living with that reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I know this a lot, and um, and I, I I'm I'm in tune with truth. And I just so badly just want to pull people out of it. Right. You know how do you pull them out? Right. I can I I, I decision that I've had to make spiritually is um, do I save myself? Walk away. You know, just walk away from it. And leave everybody else behind, you know. Or do I, do I, do I, do I process what it means to be in this new place and, and dig in there and try to save others from from the lie? I've decided to try to save the others from the lie. I don't think you can do anything other than that. I can't. I, I mean, I have the privilege, I'll call it, of knowing you and knowing you for a long time, um, and then hearing your story several times. One of the things you said. At a very young age, you realized that you had what you called a calling. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. taught Sunday school for the first time at 11. Mm-hmm. And you had a desire mm-hmm. to reach others. That's not always going to feel good. Um, I'll use just an example of being called an angel. I've been called that. You yeah, people, I'll call you. You've <laughs> called me that. I've been called that by a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And... I had a conversation with um, Dr. Cambon, who said to me, you know, like, so that's not being an angel. You want it to all be um, sunflowers, roses, bubbles, (laughs) you you know, all that sweet, lovey stuff. But sometimes you have to be a warrior and that's what you are. And that hit me hard because that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted to just flower child, love everybody, peace, and can we all get along and sing Kumbaya holding hands. But that's not the reality of what you will experience when you're doing the work you're doing. No. How do you how do you refuel yourself or how do you get what you mm. need to continue to do the work? You know, the hardest the hardest part of spiritual work is managing your own pain. That's, you know, to me, that's, that's the hard, hardest part is managing um, the, the, the tension, you know, in, you know, being that positive voice of, you know, of of change uh, in, in, in life hits you, right? Consistently life hits you. And you have to manage it, and, and sometimes you can't. Life won't let you, you. You you can't manage it because the spirit won't let you go forward until you learn the lesson. And um, to me, that that's been part of what I've had to learn is that I can't force the change. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I got a little change. Come to me. Um, so you, your, your question is a really valid one because uh, with with every progression spiritually for me, um, the, 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 it's come with something that is life transforming. That is tragedy. It's tragedy that comes to me, mm-hmm. that forces me to rethink. Right, uh, be it divorces, uh, be it um, the death of a sister or a parent. Or you know, uh, you know, as today, a cousin, you know, again, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with three murders of cousins in the span of less than a year, you know, those kind of things. Tragedy, tragedy, mm-hmm. tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. We live within our tragedies, and you know, our spiritual walk is there to 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 help us transcend all that. Right? We want to move past it. <laughs> you know, live beyond the, the tragedy. And then you live, you know, consistently living on top of this freaking mountain. But there are these valleys. And so for what I've learned, um, and you know this, is that I don't fight. I don't fight the brokenness. Um, I allow the brokenness to be part of my journey. Um, Because um, I'm a wounded healer. My woundedness doesn't define me. Uh, my woundedness only defines that I am purely human. Um, and the thing that helps me with this is, is you know, my, my spiritual walk with my ancestors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it helps me a lot uh, because I'm consistently asking the question, uh, how, do, how do my great-grandmama deal with this, you know? And and and, you know, and I, I know my family well enough to know that somebody got raped in my family. Absolutely. You know, uh, and, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, and and and, and, and I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning more and more that not only are women, but our men were being raped. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that I am ancestor of a man who was pulled out of a jail cell and, and lynched mm-hmm. because he was said that he whistled at a black or a white woman. That kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, that's part. Of my family tree, you know, and, and and so I'm consistently asking my questions. Not what life is for me within this particular cultural context. It's the historical reality. But what was it like for them to not be able to be free, right? Not to be free to work where they want to work and buy a home where they wanted to buy a home and, and the things that we take for, for granted around what it means to be a, a part of the American freaking dream. Right. What does it mean to be spiritually grounded when all of that stuff that we take for granted cannot even be something you can consider? Right. And that helps me with my brokenness, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it helps me in the celebration of who I am as a person grounded in the spirit of my ancestors because I thank God that they were strong enough not to give up. And they did not. They did not give up. And they fought it, right? Mm-hmm. They jumped on the side of the boats and said, I'd rather die than be a slave. And then I'm, a, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm the product of, a, of ancestors who fought for their own freedom. They fought for it. They ran away. Mm-hmm. They died running away. I, I know they enough were of that. By they were definitely driven by spirit. If not, they wouldn't have been able to make it. They wouldn't have made it. And, and so that's the part of up. me that I want to celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. I take pride mm-hmm. in the faith of the slaves. Mm-hmm. 
I take pride in they were ingenious enough to figure out a way that they could create create a, a create these songs that weren't what the slave masters thought. They played made fun of the slave masters, right? They talk about wade in the water, and they talking about when you get to the water, get in the water, yeah. not to be baptized, but so the dogs can't smell you. You know. Mm-hmm. The, the ingenious way in which they use the religion of the slave masters to, 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 to evoke an underground railroad, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I take pride in that. Or the way in which they would I'm not ashamed. hair. I'm not ashamed. Give a map up to freedom. Right. I'm not ashamed. Oh, wow. I'm not ashamed of that. Absolutely. I'm not ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of that at all. Yeah. You know, I'm ashamed of what happened later with it. You know, the way the manipulation that came in later years to to what our ancestors held to be true. But for me, uh, our challenge is, is, is not how we celebrate our spirituality when they're good, in the good days. It's how we celebrate, how we walk in our spirit when we're in our lowest moment. Mm-hmm. For me, the, the, the grace of all of it is in keeping them, keep moving, keep moving, keep giving, keep loving can be when I don't have nothing left. And there have been moments when I've had nothing left. Um, the greatest moment for me, and, and you're part of this, uh, for me in my ministry was a, was a and it's in my second, my second novel, uh, tells a story of, of a night where uh, I was broken badly uh, by the, the, the by, by learning that, um, that that I've been lied to in a relationship in a very bad way. And, um, and uh, I stood all night uh, in the rain in Trinity Park. It rained all night. And I sit in, on a bench in Trinity Park and I'm drenched with rain because I couldn't move and I was so broken in my spirit, right? Nothing I had could help me in that moment because I've been lied to and somebody said they wouldn't kill me because of it. I'm broken, right? And it's on a Saturday night. Sun comes up and it hits me, I gotta go preach. I gotta go preach. I gotta go preach. So I go home, I take a shower, put on my clothes, make my way to church. I'm in the car and it hits me, I need a Bible. I go to the car, go to the trunk, pull out the Bible, and I'm walking toward the place of worship, and I'm thinking, I ain't got no sermon what I'm going to preach. And so I'm walking, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to preach? I'm walking, and you come up to me, and you look at me, and you say, are you okay? And I lie. She runs away. The next thing I know... Three holy women are touching me, and I lose it. I'm broken. There's nothing left. My spirit is gone. My, my, my spiritual journey, my, in that moment, everything I know about overcoming and being and loving and giving was gone. Nothing I had could help me with that. And they pray. The next thing I know, I'm on the ground, and I'm weeping, and I couldn't get up. And I try to get up because I had to preach, right? Mm. I got to be strong for the people, right? Mm. And one of the members yelled, 
Pastor, you've been there for us all our life, or for all of us. It's time for us to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is the most meaningful moment in my life in ministry. Mm-hmm. They allow me to be weak. And in that moment of my weakness, I can be strong again. Mm-hmm. It's the power of their presence that gave me the strength to say, okay, I don't have to carry this no more. They're going to carry it for me. Mm-hmm. They're going to take me to the other side. In my weakest moment, they're going to be there for me. And I believe that's the faith of the slaves, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that's the faith of my ancestors. I believe that's the faith that happens all of it. And we come to these moments where our spirit is not enough, that what we know and what we believe and what we trust in our spiritual practice is not enough. All we got left is the spiritual presence of the others who say we are the community to carry you through. And in that moment, maybe the ancestors are there with me too. So that's the lesson, you know, for me, is I can always be strong. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is a major challenge for anyone yeah. who is doing spiritual work for other people or trying to heal communities is accepting mm. the moments when you need to be healed. Well, you know, the, the work of being guru, you know, being a spiritual, spiritual worker, is, you know, it, it's easy to get caught in this idea that you have to be everything at all times for everybody. Mm-hmm. And the truth is we can't do it. Right. And the truth is we, we, we're not expected to. Mm-hmm. And, and, and allowing yourself to be weak is a great lesson of spiritual work. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you just have to get away. And, you know, for me... You know, that's part of what I've learned to do is, is you know, the times when you, you can't be around people. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are times when it, and because the energy will be too much for you to carry. The guilt of being around people when you can't be strong as a spiritual worker, that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Exposing your weakness to them when they expect you to be strong and you can't give it will pull you even further in the moment of disillusion. So for me, that means I just got to go, right? Push away. Got to push away from it. And you have to have a support system that is not the people who you are healing so that you always have somewhere to go. Um, you know, call Dr. Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I kind of feel like, though, the people <laughs> that I work with to heal also heal me. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Some people may need to go outside of right. their circle or community. Yeah. But um, right. just being candid, sharing that I'm going through the grieving process of my mother transitioning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. most people who know me don't know me in pain. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. see me in joy and I'm right. supporting and I'm encouraging and I'm the cheerleader. So it's hard for them sometimes to even acknowledge mm-hmm. that I'm dealing with pain. It's been not two mm-hmm. months ago that she transitioned. Right. And want, knowing that I have this relationship with spirit mm-hmm. and now she's in the spirit realm and there's all this stuff that I can logically say to myself. Right. She's my ancestor now. Yeah. She's never going to leave me. Out. She's going to love me forever and always be with me. And what she can do in spirit is different than what she did here in the physical realm, hmm. but she's with me. But it doesn't take away nope. that pain 
nope. that you have when you want to hear your mother's voice, hug her neck, love that separation anxiety. And so you fight with your own self right. about what you feel because you have these things that mm-hmm. you say when you're encouraging other people and that you know to be true. Right. And I have found that the people who I, that are in my circle, some of the ones who um, I have worked with healing um, are right. the people who come to heal me. And in mm-hmm. some ways, I believe that I touch more people when I'm able to show them right. my weakness. brokenness, right. my humanness, right. That, right. that I share with them right. that part of right. me. Right. And That's um, it. I thank you because yeah. you've been one of those people right. who've listened, who have understood, not just for me, but for so many people. You share a lot of who you are. Right. And that has helped a lot of people. Right. And I can do that. The thing that I'm having... <laughs> difficulty with is I keep seeing all of these healers burning out right. because I think that it is dangerous yeah, it to is believe dangerous. that the people you are healing can be enough to be your only support system. I, and yeah. so I just want to encourage healers to have a defined and <laughs> yeah. organized support system right. so right. that you can, for me, it's acupuncture, right. you know, <laughs> and it's like, right. you know, like you have to choose something that you can always go to, always pay your money. There's yeah. no chance. There's no question. That thing is there for you. I think everybody has to have self-care. Absolutely. And, and mm-hmm. you know, even in psychology, we talk about that. A lot of people burn. Any helping profession, that is the case that burnout can be an issue. Um but right. that has never been an issue for me to this point in over 20 years of providing services to people because I have always made it a critical part, of, your, part of my life. Part of your practice. Mm-hmm. I do the things that nurture me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I, I go play golf and religiously. You know, I travel. I... Um, Go dance. I do things that bring joy to me. Right. I find balance. And I, I truly enjoy what it is that I do in terms of helping people. And if I need, if I, if I get too full, I can just step away. Yeah, right. but sometimes you come get a reading. Absolutely. That's, that is a form <laughs> of health. Help. Right. That is a form of right. my particular regimen. Has he worked and to help it, heal you before? Well, I don't, I don't. I don't think you've come to him for work. I'm not saying that that should not happen. So that's what I'm saying. I'm like saying when, that I think it's bad when that's the only thing you do. Well, I don't think there's any absolute. I don't believe that we only have to have one way. I believe that it needs to be well-rounded. Right. It's like if healing is a whole pie, we have different slices of that pie that come from different, right. maybe some acupuncture, maybe a conversation with um the Babalao, or in some work mm-hmm. done there, maybe a trip to the mountains, right. maybe um, some other ritual, like it's a variety of things. Mm-hmm. But we can't negate the fact that right. the people that are the closest to us mm-hmm. can often reach us when a stranger may Cannot. not be able to reach us. <laughs> and then maybe the stranger can. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's that's something we can't we can't negate that they also are created in the image of the creator right, mm-hmm. right. and that we all have power mm-hmm. yeah. and we can help mm-hmm. one another. 
Because we've got another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, health care of the spiritual, yeah. spiritual, spiritual. health care of the spiritual healer. Yeah, yeah so that is definitely. Come back to that. I think you need to. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing that, the, I'll just say this, the thing that helped, has helped me the most is just owning the fact that the healing is is not me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the power that creator the creator has given me. I've been given the the work of healing, mm-hmm. but I'm not the healer. Mm-hmm. And that that power flows through. It, it flows through. Really, it flows through all of this. Back to the this, point that the people you're right. healing can also it's, heal you, right, and then other right, people can right, also heal you because right. it is that power of the creator it's the, it's, that falls through. Right. All, Close right. through all of the possible it's, it's, healing tools. Right. But when I own power, um, then I, I, I establish the, 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 the possibility for me being broken. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it's so much pressure putting yourself in that position, especially as pastor. You know, the pastor is supposed to be godly. Right, yeah. You know, um, you know, you're supposed to be all that. Right. You're Jesus' cousin. Yeah, you Jesus' first cousin. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what we say? Yeah, Jesus' yeah. first cousin. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, there is that. Yeah, is, do you think it's possible, or is it possible, to live a life without being broken? Um, I, I, I can only answer for myself. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I, you know, I admire people like you who have established I'm not a saying I'm not broken. No, no, I'm but what I'm going to say, but what I'm not saying, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I, that admire people who have established the, the kind of discipline early in the game, <laughs> you know, early enough in the game where they can uh, at least manage it a little better. That's not my story, you know. No, so, but, so, let me, let me but I, I'm not saying that I haven't had my. No, I didn't say I you had, were Jesus' first cousin. No, <laughs> but, I had many moments of brokenness. Yeah, but I'm saying, is it possible for us to reach a point? Even in my self care, I have brokenness. But is it possible as we continue to do, evolve and do the work that we can reach a point? Even though we're always growing, we're always learning, where it takes on a different understanding, meaning that doesn't allow us to go to the depths of brokenness. I, I don't I don't know how it's possible to be black in America and not to manage some level of brokenness. I'm with you on that one. Well is you know if we understand here's some here's some of these questions, right, that I think uh-huh. about that I've been thinking about for a while, right? When I think about my grandmother's faith and her belief that if I just keep believing God is gonna Turn this around and save me, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, be blessed, right? Right. And I never saw that, but that faith drives people in their respective ways. Right. So if we truly have faith that this is all part of a master plan, then exactly what is happening to us individually and collectively is a part of what is supposed to happen to progress us to the next level. And if I look at my life, all the different um, break breaking moments right. were necessary to build me into who I have become. Right. And so as a community, maybe the different breaking moments that have happened were necessary to build us. Even yeah. this crazy president we have right now, which exposed yeah. all the toxic people who yeah. were hidden in the closet and now they're out there full force was necessary to get us to where we don't be so yeah. trusting. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, yeah, I think it's a theology. I, I think that you know the providential theology would suggest that's the case that everything's created for a purpose. That is not my theology. Mm-hmm. I do, however, believe that there are there are things that are manifest that uh, we are able to overcome because all things work together for the good of those who believe. You know, we we say and believe in the you know in the Lord, you know, but for me, that means that those who trust in the power to overcome the, 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 the lesson uh, in those moments uh, gives us, equips us the ability to overcome it. But I'm not one who believes that those situations are actually created for that purpose. Right. That, you know, um, but, but I do believe we do, we can learn the lesson. So what I always do when something bad happens is I ask the question, where is the grace of God in it? What what is it the good that I can take from this to become a better person, and and that helps me a lot, right? Because if, if I can't find grace in it, I'm left with nothing but trouble, and I'm no longer wanting to live my life in, embodied in trouble. Uh, but I do not believe that a, a lot of ways. I do not believe my my sister died for me for me to be a better person. I do not believe my daddy my my daddy went through what my daddy through went through for the purpose of making me a better person. But I do believe but I am a better person. But you do believe that you're a better person. I do believe I'm a better person because of that. But I do not believe it was created for that. Absolutely. Sure, sure. I'm with and you that's on the, that. And that's but the difference. that would be a very ego-centered right. perspective anyway because right. you weren't the only one impacted by right. her daughter. Right, like She was impacted the most. Right. And your parents, your cousins, mm-hmm. I mean, friends, mm-hmm. there were other people mm-hmm. that were also mm-hmm. impacted. And so... There are these multitude of lessons. I lessons. think of it like this huge, this huge, big three. It's not even three D. It's it's multi D mm-hmm. thing going on. Mm-hmm. All you're looking at it from a right. bunch of different ways, and right. all of these lessons are right. emanating from that right. thing. Right, right, which blows my mind. Yeah, to yeah. Consider. So we need to look at brokenness as being something different, like brokenness. As, as it's part of the process. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really how you're thinking of it. Right. You know, right. Um, yeah. it's a process. Right. Yeah. Well, I you know? think there's something to be said for when you fall to the depths of something, you know, mm-hmm. to the bottom of something, and then you have to decide, okay, do I die here right. or do right. I evolve? You know, it's yeah. almost like that bottom line, like yeah. that, that, yeah. that crossroads, that choice. Where yeah. You have no choice in it, whether to. You know, there's no other path to navigating. Right. You're going to die or you're going to get up. I mean, and, I and everybody's <laughs> bottom is different. Right. Like, we don't all have the same bottom and everybody's broken is different. Yeah. Like, what breaks one person? Right. Well, well, not. The, they say the same boiling water that makes the egg hard makes the potato soft. Right. There's, it's not about mm-hmm. what you go through. It's about what you're made of. Right. But, when you're going through it mm-hmm. and but, how you're going through it. So then is there evolution without hitting a bottom line? See, See, so theologically for me, you know, I, I really I really gain a lot from the concept of yin and yang. Yes. So, yeah, it's chaos in creation. Mm-hmm. So I see chaos in creation as part of a collective um, movement towards something greater. So that's the way I look at the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I look at the dark as part of the light mm-hmm. and the light is part of the dark. Mm-hmm. That helps me a lot. Yes. You know, to, to get through us through those bad times. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't like the dark, you know, but, you know, something in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there is the light, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, that's how I, I process 
my tragedy now. Uh, and 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 and, uh, and there are times when that ain't working. You know, I'm just you know being. There are times when my spiritual twos may not be working properly mm-hmm. because it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really need my community. Mm-hmm. Is when when the twos don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And what I've been challenged as 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 spiritual leader to do is to really train to really train people through my practice, right? To I train I prepare them to be there for me. You know, so it's not only train, train, preparing them to be ready for their own spiritual stuff. I mean, I have to, I have to give them, give them permission to take care of me, because mm. I, because I need it too, mm. right? I got to give them permission to take care of me, because mm. otherwise I'm gonna be left by myself. Mm-hmm. And I even do that with my own children. You know, mm-hmm. so many times when you need to take care of me mm-hmm. spiritually, because mm-hmm. I'm weak now. Right. You know. Uh, I have a daughter with MS, right? That's a lot of that's a lot of dark, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're 37 and you can't work anymore, you'll never be able to work again. You're 37. You've got two master degrees, you know. You're, you're a great educator. Uh, you you know you you buy a house at 21. You you're on top of the world, and, and now you're in a wheelchair. That's a lot of dark. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot of needs when it comes to like spiritual stuff and the thing that she gifts me with on a daily basis is her positive energy. Mm. And she would. She (laughs) has, you know, such positive energy Mm. where she won't even let you talk about the stuff negative because she says, I cannot manage it. Don't talk Mm. about me being in a wheelchair. Mm. Mm. I took 10 steps today. Mm. Right? Um, and there is there's something in that kind, you know, and 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 there 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 are dark moments for her, right? And, and she'll call me and say, "Daddy, I need love today. Give it to me." And there's something in that kind of balance, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. So I know we over time. That's a great, um, a great way to, to to wrap it up here. <laughs> We've just been flowing. Um, there's so many, so many other things we're gonna have to maybe continue this conversation, um, part two. Because there's more questions, and we didn't really get to get into your journey and mm-hmm. a lot of detail. I had tons of questions to ask you, but um, maybe we'll bring you back and, and let me know. Do a do a part two. I ain't going nowhere. On, on some of this stuff. Um, any last things you'd like to offer up? Well, I just think I just thank I thank you for this for this podcast. I think this is a very uh, important and essential conversation. And I just uh, want to say thank you for what you do mm-hmm. in, in making making things better for people who need to hear it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you mm-hmm. for agreeing to be um, to come and talk with us and to share your story and your journey. Um, I know that it um, that it will touch a lot of people and that it will help. There's someone that will hear this podcast and hear your story and it will help them in their journey and in their process. And so thank you. Thank you. Talking about spirit. So in closing, we like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit.
and I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.